On this episode of The Popcorn Diet, we're discussing the latest happenings of award season and giving our initial Oscar predictions. Get your popcorn ready. Welcome all you good movie buddies to The Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie, theater, popcorn, and other delicious movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Malhorn. David, how are you doing today? Feeling very prestigious. Good. That's a good... <laughs> That's a good feeling to be in, considering it's award season. It's our our least favorite time of the year, and yet our most favorite time of the year. It's a love-hate relationship, as we always discuss. And David, I got to admit to you, I'm going to hold myself accountable. I don't know if you feel this way or not. I feel like this is... In terms of Oscar season, I feel like I miscalculated when we needed to do our initial Oscar picks. I feel like we probably should have done them a few weeks ago. Because now it feels like we're much farther in award season than we typically are when we talk about these. So I'll take responsibility for that. Then again, everything's all thrown to the wind. And then again, there's movies that still aren't available to be watched right. that are in this award season. So typically we start doing this when the majority of them are out, yeah. which I feel like is right now. Mm -hmm. But there's still quite a few that like you don't have access to. So... I like where we're starting. I it, mean, I like it. There's more things. There's more things that have happened. Yes. But uh, at the same time, you know, I think we're in a good spot to to kick this off. I think we are too. I think you know, as we do what we can, and especially because I feel like people probably don't enjoy talking about this quite as much as you and I. No, we get some type of <laughs> of sick. Uh, enjoyment out of this. I don't know what it is. Why do you think we get an enjoyment out of this? Because we we are on here. The whole the whole and we revisit this every year. So I'm I'm sure that I'm repeating myself a little bit when it comes to why we do what we do and why we love what we love. But the whole purpose of this podcast, your and I's entire outlook on movies is to focus on the positive. And it doesn't mean disregarding the negative i mean hell last week you gave our first stale popcorn review in a mm. very long time maybe true. You, it was actually your first ever my first um that's a big deal you know but we always look at these movies as things to love and we don't get into this bashing we don't get we we really try to actually love movies and there are a lot of podcasts out there who who i think claim to do the same thing that spend their entire time, you know, crapping on what they allegedly love. And that's tough. That's that's tough to get. So the idea of ranking these things and saying definitively that one is the best is always a little bit difficult, in my opinion. Also, because these are totally arbitrary. Like, I fully believe that whatever your favorite movie is, is the correct answer. There is no such thing as a true best picture. And I think a lot of people agree with that, that these awards are arbitrary, that they don't really mean anything, and yet we can't stop talking about them. Is, do you think that ties into like the idea that we love sports or that we love a competition or, or, or whatever? Like, 
Why why do you like this so much? Because you know me, man. I'm I'm always 50-50. I always love it and I always hate it. Well, I think one, we like trying to figure things out. So there's that aspect of trying to make those predictions and it's it's fun when you've seen a lot of these movies right. and you know kind of how the Oscars work to kind of make your predictions and see how many are right. So I think there's definitely the competition level of it. Um, I also think to some degree, though, it's it's interesting to watch it year from year and it's fun to kind of watch the patterns from year to year, kind of identify those, again, make kind of your predictions and your guesses based off of that right. and see how they progress. I mean, last year was a really historical year for the Oscars yeah. in a lot of ways. Parasite dominated. Yeah, and there's um, you know a good amount of surprises, and it's mm-hmm. interesting to see how it keeps evolving. Oscars hasn't really been something that has evolved over time. No. I think much to a lot of people's disappointment it's rewarded some of the predictable things and movies and performances it's got an even the oscars have a type yeah absolutely so last year i think was surprising to a lot of people and probably upset a, a decent amount of people that didn't feel like that should be the the best picture or the movie that dominates but i'm interested to see whether the oscars for lack of a better term double down doubles down on that and continues that idea of diversity and variety in who their awards are going to. Yeah. Or if they do what they've done in previous years where every time they zig one year, they zag back to where they were previously the next year. Right. So like, okay, we, we're gonna give everything to Parasite, but now we're gonna nominate like a Victorian yes. historical bullshit, whatever. Yes. And and I've always been one that it's like Listen, if the Victorian classic is the best movie of the year, like it should sure. be rewarded as Absolutely. the best movie of the year. We shouldn't award movies for sake of just saying let's have some variety here. Like we can't do another biopic because we did a biopic last year. Like right. that should never be the conversation. That being said, all things equal, if it's neck and neck and you're, you know, picking between two, I do think if it's a tie and it's 1A, 1B, then you know maybe you make a point to go for the one that we haven't seen give get it to the, yeah. rewarded. Give it to the new, exciting thing, you know? Give it to the give it to the, the thing that hasn't been celebrated over and over and over again. Like we we've done that before. And I'm with you as well. Well like, I'm not about elevating uh, mediocre material over great material, even if the great material is familiar. You know? Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing that rewarding those movies does is it encourages more of them to be made. And absolutely. You know, when we get movies like, and we'll talk about, you know, some of the movies that are out there. And this is obviously a a, a weird year, but like, if you know, soul gets rewarded in some way. Like I'm excited for like Pixar to start taking, you know, target at more of like a d- adult centric movie. Like right. the idea that like a animated movie doesn't have to center around a child character. Right. And that we can do something like that or that we can play with it in without it medium. being something like, 
whatever the Seth Rogen one was, which was just sausage party. Sausage party. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be absolutely irreverent. Nominated for cowards. It to be an animated film for adults. Sure. It's it's a good point. It's a good point. So let's talk about uh, what what we've what's coming up. Let's talk about what's coming up, and then we'll we'll break down a little bit of what we already got. But February 16th, which when this drops will be less than a week away, the Writers Guild Award nominations come out. And again, all of the Guild Award nominations come out. They give you an idea of what these particular branches of the Academy are voting for. Because if you've you've never listened to an an Academy Awards podcast, uh, particularly ours, the different branches nominate their nominees so the writers they nominate screenplay the actors they all nominate the acting awards the producers well everybody nominates best picture but the directors they nominate best director so all of these people cinematographers nominate cinematography they all recognize the greatness in their own craft and then when the nominees are out everybody votes for everybody okay that's why the guild nominations are so important because it gives you a baseline of what people are going for. And so within the next month, we have the Writers Guild nominees coming out on February 16th. February 28th, we have the actual Golden Globe Awards, which are puts them a lot earlier than they typically are from the Oscars. March 2nd, we have the Art Director nominees. March 8th, we have the PGA, the Producers Guild nominees. March 9th, we have the Directors Guild nominees. And then March 15th, again, a little more than a month from now, we get our list of Oscar nominees. So we got about a month. So we'll, we'll probably do one more of these maybe, maybe two, um, between now and then just to adjust our predictions and, and lock them in for what finally comes out. But we have a little bit to go on now. Did you did you pay attention to the the Golden Globes and the 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 SAG Awards and the Oscar shortlist and stuff like that? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Well, the Oscar shortlist. We'll start with the Oscar shortlist because I find that one interesting. The Oscar shortlists is something that I feel like they've only recently started doing for the in the past few years. I don't remember when they started doing this. I could be wrong, and I only just recently paid attention to it. But it's when they release the shortlists for the movies for things like documentary feature and short, short subject, best international film, but more importantly, makeup, score, song, uh, and visual effects. They also do animated short film and live action short film. But I focus on makeup, score, song, visual effects because then we can get a barometer for what movies are trending. Okay? So... Let's talk about some of those. Let's talk about makeup and hairstyling. On the short list was Birds of Prey, Emma, The Glorias, Hillbilly Elegy, Jingle Jangle, The Little Things, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, One Night in Miami, and then Pinocchio. One thing to note here. There's some nonsense. Pinocchio came out this year? I think. I'm almost certain. I'm, I, could be, I, I didn't look this up at all. But I am almost certain that it is Roberto Benigni making another Pinocchio movie. Like, I think that's what it what it was. Interesting. Um, which is nonsense to me. Like, that, it's insane that that... Some of these are insane that they've gotten Who's nominated. got more uh, origin stories, Pinocchio or Batman? Oh, good 
good question. Gotta be Pinocchio. <laughs> Just by length of existence, it's gotta be Pinocchio. So a couple things to note here. Hillbilly Elegy, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, One Night in Miami. Those are expected to be the big players. Here's one that apparently we need to start keeping our eye out for, and it's The Little Things, a podcast of which we just did last week, a podcast of which I gave movie theater popcorn, you gave stale popcorn, a, po- a podcast in which we both agreed it's not the greatest movie, and yet here it comes. Uh, so that takes us to music, original score. So we have, again, 15 nominations, um, Ammonite, Blizzard of many of these I don't I've never even seen or heard of. Ammonite, Blizzard of Souls, Defy Bloods, The Invisible Man, Jingle Jangle, uh, The Life Ahead, The Little Things Again, Mank Again, Midnight Sky, Minari, Mulan, News of the World, Soul, Tenant, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. So again, the two crossovers between the makeup and hairstyling and this are inexplicably mank and the little things. See, and the thing is, is if we're talking about categories other than best picture and I would say, obviously, there's no real uh, female, there's no actresses really that are prevalent in little things. No. And... You know, we're not talking about the writing or things like that. Right, it's all below the line. If it's all below the line stuff, like I don't have as big of a deal about that. Like I didn't; those weren't my issues with the little things. Right, it looks good. Yeah, it sounded good. I think the score is a little much, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. It's a little aggressive, (laughs) but it's Thomas Newman, and they're that you know they're going to give Thomas Newman love. Um, And then we have music. Uh, th- this one there's not a lot of crossover with there's some music nonsense in here i'm not going to list all of them but suffice it to say trial of chicago seven got a nomination or is on the short list excuse me one night in miami's on the short list minari's on the short list jingle jangle again seemingly on the short list jingle jangle getting a lot of below the line love um but also visual effects now david this is the one that i wanted to talk about because there is no more category that I feel best encompasses 2020 than this list of nominees for best visual effects. All right, bring them on. Birds of Prey. Mm. Bloodshot. Oh, yeah. Love and Monsters. Mank. The Midnight Sky. Mulan. The One and Only Ivan. Soul, interesting enough. Tenet. And Welcome to Chechnya. Mm. I we're we are a breath away from Academy Award nominated film Bloodshot. I love it. Which I is, I I, can't, I cannot say I I I love. I love Vin. All right, love Vin Diesel. Love everything he puts his energy into. But if we get Academy Award nominated Bloodshot, didn't one of the uh, Chronicles of Riddick get a? Uh, Nomination, I feel like maybe I don't know. I, I I honestly don't know. I mean, Vin was in Saving Private Ryan, you know, like he's got some Academy Award love. Uh, but this category, boy, um, again, I want to point out that we got some love for Mankin here. We got some love for Soul, which is really interesting. Tenet uh, showed up with a couple of nominations because that movie is just a, a technical powerhouse. Um, 
But there was stuff like Greyhound that didn't get in. The Invisible Man inexplicably didn't get in. Sonic the Hedgehog didn't get in. So it's, just, it's, it's interesting. It's weird. But that's that gives us a barometer. And based off of that barometer, we can kind of judge that, okay, people are into the Chicago 7. People are into Mank. Uh, people are a, a little bit more into the Midnight Sky than I anticipated. Um, and again, these are below the line things, so it isn't a direct correlation to what's going to get nominated above the line. But nonetheless, I mean, Mad Max Fury Road got all below the nine nominations, didn't score a single above the line one with the exception of picture and director. Like, I'm, I'm, you never know. A, a, a movie can get 10, 12 nominations easily without scoring acting or, or what have you. So that happened. Um, the SAG Awards... I'll just give a, a, a quick rundown of what happened in the SAG Awards. Um, the Five Bloods got Motion Picture Cast nomination, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Minari, One Night in Miami, Trial of Chicago 7. That's the, the, the Motion Picture Cast, because the SAG Awards, remember, are just the actors. Um, but, like, Delroy Lindo got snubbed in both this and the Golden Globes. Uh, Amy Adams made it in inexplicably with, with both of those, I think. Um, we're getting, I'm almost certain that with the SAG and the Golden Globe, Sasha Baron Cohen has been getting nominations for Trial of Chicago 7 and Borat. Like the SAG Awards, really interesting, uh, but kind of down the line, kind of what we expected. We're seeing love for One Night in Miami. We're seeing love for Mank, Minari, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, The Five Bloods, whatnot. The Golden Globes are just drunk. And I know that you know that. It's one of our favorite I mean, parts. that's pretty much what they do at the awards. They feel... get drunk. They feel so why not the awards be also drunk? It's true. They feel particularly drunk now. The musical or comedy nominees, particularly, they got Borat, too, which is fine. Comedy, great. They got Palm Springs, awesome. You and I both enjoyed that film. Very good comedy. And then they have Hamilton, which is not a movie. Uh, so I don't know what's happening there. We have music, which is Sia's, I think, Netflix something or other. It's like it's, it's got three nominations. Nobody's ever seen it. And then Netflix is The Prom, which is universally agreed upon as being a not good movie. <laughs> Uh, the biggest takeaway from the Golden Globes is the Five Bloods got completely shut out. I which feel like, yeah, is bad. I feel like Golden Globes to some degree were like they just picked movies that they saw in the last couple months. So yeah, <laughs> I mean the Golden Globes. Everybody there knows there wasn't much for movies at the time that they announced. Here's the thing, right? The Oscars at least maintain this air of like respectability and prestige, as you said. The Golden Globes, especially in the last 10 to 12 years, have essentially cemented themselves as nonsense awards that they, that they only put on to get famous people together. We've already talked about how the Hollywood Foreign Press is not some board, it's not some group with thousands of members. It literally has like, like barely in the three figures worth of members. And they just invite rich or not rich people but famous people and so that's what makes some of these nominations so confusing like 
your girl Kate Hudson got a nominee for music, but it's just like we really couldn't have found a better like nominee than that if that's what we're doing. Um, it just doesn't feel it just it just feels weird. So well, once again, what you're telling people as a takeaway when you're filling out your Oscars ballot, don't use the Golden Globes as any kind of indicator to what you're picking. No. For the Oscars. It's a terrible indicator. That and the Critics' Choice Awards are terrible indicators. And this is, I'm glad you brought this up, David, because one of the things that you had mentioned earlier is like, we want to give you an edge up yes. on some of these guesses. That's why we say focus on the guilds. Yep. Don't pay attention to the Golden Globes. Don't pay attention to the Critics' Choice Awards. There is no crossover between their voting bodies and the Academy's voting body. Mm. The Golden Globes are nonsense. Um, and at the risk of, actually not at the risk of, I'm not going to make this a Golden Globes conversation. I'm not going to list through every nominee. Suffice it to say, it's nonsense. It's nonsense that they put Minari as foreign language film, even though it's a U.S. production that just happens to be spoken in, in Korean. Like, that's nonsense. 60% of Inglorious Bastards wasn't spoken in English. They didn't nominate it for foreign film. It's just ridiculous. Um, but... Again, the globes are going to globe. So, with all of that being said, with that being a, 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 a brief update on what we are doing, it's now time for us to lay out our initial nominations, our initial guesses for who we think will be nominated in the top six Academy Award fields um, this year. So we're talking supporting actress, Supporting actor, actress, actor, director, picture. That's the categories that we're going to go through based on us collecting information and, frankly, based on us trying to make this a little bit interesting because some of these are locks. And I think, I think you and I can start telling people when, when a certain pick is a stone-cold lock, at least in our opinion. At least for the nominations. At least I don't, for the I nominations. Don't, I don't know that we've made it all the way to locks on so-and-so is going to win. No. But I would argue we're, there is we're, we're close to locks on like three to four people in most categories. Yes. I would argue that there isn't a full-blown consensus in any category as to who might win. Maybe director, but even then, there's nothing for certain there. So we're going to go back and forth. I'll start one. You'll finish category, and then you'll start the next category. And we're going to go through our, our lists of who we think is going to get nominated. And we're going to start with Best Supporting Actress. And this one is one that has had a lot of volatility. Um, my five selections are Amanda Seyfried from Mank, who is apparently losing steam, but was a front runner for a long time. Olivia Coleman for The Father. Olivia Coleman won for The Favorite last year. She beat, or not last year, I'm sorry, like th uh, three years ago. Mm -hmm. She beat Glenn Close, who... I feel will also get nominated this year for supporting actress for Hillbilly Elegy. And this is the Oscars are going to Oscar, man. They're falling for like Glenn Close decided to ugly up and play a, a, a blue collar redneck and they're going to give her an Oscar for it. And then the other two are kind of swings in the dark. Um, I have uh, uh, Yoo Jung Young for Minari, which has been gaining a ton of steam since Sundance last year. And then Maria Bakalova, for Borat's subsequent movie film, a.k.a. Borat 2, mm. who has surprisingly gotten a ton of attention. 
which I find weird because usually this happens. Usually there's an unknown person who comes out and just does an incredible job, and you usually see them get nominated in the supporting actress field, even though what she's doing is is not really much different than what Sasha Baron Cohen did, but he never got a nomination for Borat. So it's true. I don't know. I don't know how that works, but she is getting a ton of steam for a nomination. So I'm putting I'm putting her as my fifth. So I have Glenn Close, Olivia Coleman, Amanda Seyfried, uh, Yu Jung Yoon, and Maria Bakalova for Borat too. That's my current list of guesses for supporting actress. All right. What do you got? We're pretty much the same, except for your last one. Okay. So I've got Coleman, Seyfried, Close, Yoon, Yoon, Yoon. Yoon. Uh, my last one, going with the child actor, I'm going with Helena Zengel from okay. the News of the World. News of the World, yep, the Tom Hanks movie. The Tom Hanks movie. So I'm I'm going there. That's I think what that's, I'm going with. That that's one. There's there's some stragglers in here that uh, I'm curious as to what will happen with some of them. I I think that Bakalova and what's her name? I'm sorry, Helena Zengel. So, so I think they have a very similar situation. Yeah, where they they they're a newcomer, they're coming in, they're crushing it, and they get a lot of attention. That's not to say that like Ellen Burstyn couldn't come in, or even Saoirse Ronan, who's an Oscar favorite. But I'm pretty sure I'm locking, or even Jodie Foster's lurking out there, somewhere. But but those are those are our picks for supporting actress. So who do you got next? We'll let you start. All right, for, for supporting, supporting actor. actor, I have. R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman Ugh. to Five Bloods. God. I have Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami. Yep. I have Sasha Barra Cohen, not for Borat. No. Two for Trial of Chicago 7. Okay. I have Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay. And then I have Paul Rassi? Rassi? I think it's Rocky. Rocky? Yeah. Rocky? Paul Rocky. For uh, Sound of Metal, which I feel like is starting to get a little bit of... Uh, little bit of momentum it's one of those that we haven't seen yet i don't believe it's on amazon right now Did so it just come out it's totally on us it's been out i think it's been out for a while i think I it's thought just that like, one was a february 5th one or something it maybe. might be i i could have almost sworn that it's out right there are a few out right now that i didn't even and that's the weird thing about this season david is i don't even know what's out right now i didn't even know malcolm and marie is out on netflix right now i remember i saw the trailer and that's it so December 4, it started streaming on Prime Video. There you go. So you can watch that right now. A lot yep. of these you can watch right now, which we'll, which we'll we'll talk about when we do Best Picture. Mm -hmm. We'll point out specifically what ones they can watch right now. Yeah. And Sound of Metal is one about a drummer going deaf. Yes. Uh, Riz Ahmed getting rave reviews. We'll talk about him, I'm sure, in a little bit. So real quick, go over your nominees again. I feel like ours are almost identical again here as well. So who do you got again, just as a recap? Bozeman for okay. The Five Bloods. Yep. Leslie Odom Jr., One Night in Miami. Yep. Sasha Barra Cohen, Trial of Chicago 7. Yep. Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay. And Paul Rocky for Sound, Sound of Metal. Metal. All right. So we're very, very similar here. I also have Daniel Kaluuya. I also have Leslie Odom Jr. I also have Sasha Baron Cohen. And I also have Chadwick Bozeman. But... There is one thing that we have seen, David, with the Golden Globes, which I know don't count for much, but also with the Screen Actors Guild, and that is our boy, Jared Leto, coming up from behind, gaining some steam 
for him being a total whack job in the little things. And I'm not going to lie. Like we already said, he was incredibly entertaining in that movie. But I am I am baffled by his his sudden emergence in the awards conversation. I am just like, what are we doing? Especially when that nomination could go to somebody like Bill Murray, who was incredible in On the Rocks. Or it could go to Yahya Abdul-Mahim, for, or Mateen, excuse me, for Trial of Chicago 7. Like, there are a lot of people in Trial of Chicago 7 that could get nominated. But I just feel like the Oscars are going to Oscar and that Jared Leto is going to come in and get that last spot. I'm also not entirely convinced Chadwick Boseman gets it for the Five Bloods, but you never know. So again, ours are very similar. We both have Kaluuya. We both have Odom Jr. We both have Sasha Baron Cohen. We both have Chadwick Boseman. You have Paul Rocky. I have Jared Leto. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's continue on with Best Actress. So for me, I'm just going to tell you right now, this is probably our least interesting category, in my opinion. Because the first four are, I'm going to put down as Rick's Stone Cold Locks for nominations. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it down right now. Locking it in. Locking it in that Viola Davis will get nominated for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. That Vanessa Kirby will get nominated for Pieces of a Woman. That Frances McDormand will get nominated for No Man Land. And that Carrie Mulligan will get nominated for Promising Young Woman. I see now a road to which Vanessa Kirby does not get nominated because the Oscars could just decide not to. I mean, but I'm, I'm still, I'm locking those four in. Okay. Those four, in my opinion, have been the front runners. They're SAG nominees. Like, they are the, they're the four. Um, All right. I, I don't think anybody else is coming up behind them. And that leads me to the fifth spot. And this is just a rotating list of people. It could be a number of people. But I'm going to, again, say that the Oscars are going to Oscar. And Amy Adams is going to get yet another nomination that she yet again will not win for doing the Oscar thing for Hillbilly Elegy. Mm. I, that movie was not well received. Okay. And, uh, and yet, I don't know. So, not so fast. Not so fast, you say. I'm going different route here. Okay, okay, okay. I have the same four that you had as your locks. Okay. But I am going with Zendaya for Malcolm and Marie. I would love it. I would love it. And fortunately, that movie is getting a ton of hate from critics' circles because it takes on film critics. Absolutely. And so you got a lot. And, and it, I believe I've heard on one of my other favorite podcasts uh, if there's anybody more sensitive to criticism than filmmakers, it's critics. Yep. So I would love to see Zendaya. And guess who votes for uh, actress? Actresses. Actors, exactly. Performers. Exactly. Um, I like it, man. I, I, I would be happy to see Zendaya kind of arise as the new thing. You yeah, know? absolutely. And we establish her as... Uh, you know, the next star, like lots of people have talked about her, but, you yeah. know, most of the stuff she's been in hasn't been too heavy of stuff like Spider-Man. Well, she started like she started in music. Mm -hmm. She's she came out of the Disney network. She's been in the Spider-Man movies. Mm -hmm. She's got a hit show on HBO with Euphoria. Yep. That she I think she already won like an Emmy for like she's already been 
And so this is the next inevitable Absolutely. step. Absolutely. Let's so, do it. Let's do it now. So we both have Viola Davis, Carrie Mulligan, Francis McDormand, Vanessa Kirby. I'm being the cynic and saying it's going to be Amy Adams. You're being the, the man of hope, as you always are, and saying it's going to be Zendaya. 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 God. So, I, I, don't hate me, fans, if I don't pronounce her name correctly. I apologize. I'm trying my best here. Um, all right. That leads us to Best Actor. All right. So I got? have Chadwick Boseman, RIP again. Lock. For Ma Rainey's. Lock it in. Lock it in. I'm I, saying lock it in. I have Gary Oldman for Mank. Okay. Who I also think is probably close to a lock. Very. Got to be close. I've got Delroy. Linda for Defy Bloods. Long thought to be a lock. I have Riz Ahmed, mm-hmm. as I talked about earlier, for Sound of Metal. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, to move him into fifth all time in Oscar nominations, Mr. Tom Hanks. Oh, interesting. As my fifth. For News of the World. For News of the World. Which is really funny because if if I had to have picked an, a Tom like it's a big Tom Hanks year kind of it is kind of a big Tom Hanks year, I because he's got Greyhound he's got that two dr- very traditionally like favored Oscar type movies that aren't getting a ton of buzz. He was like the first Hollywood person to get COVID. That too, like, you know, and and be that public PSA for COVID and taking it serious. I uh, I think there's potential there. I think I think there's potential there. Um, News of the world is gaining a little bit of steam, uh, as we see in some of the higher categories. So it could be interesting. That you know, movie, I love a good western, although I haven't wh- watched it yet. It's a good western. It's you got Paul Greengrass. It's a traditional type of western movie telling a traditional type of story of perseverance and whatever. But for all intents and purposes, everything that I hear about it is really good. I believe it's on VOD right now. It was in the theaters in December. Um, you can still I, see it in some theaters. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we're getting a ton of movies to no. cycle out or anything. Yep. So, okay. I also had Chadwick Boseman. I think that that's a stone cold lock. I think Anthony Hopkins for the father is going to be the Glenn Close for the wife of this year. You really are excited to watch the father, aren't you? I, if I will not watch the father <laughs> unless it's nominated for best picture, just as <laughs> I did not watch the wife. Like, it always happens. There's always a movie that is based around a central performance. And listen, give Olivia Coleman credit because she's getting credit, too. She's got a lot of steam and likely will get nominated. But there's always that movie where it's one central performance. That's the only nomination it gets. Mm-hmm. And The Father just feels like that. I could be wrong. It could gain more steam. But I do think Anthony Hopkins is going to get nominated. I do think Gary Oldman is going to get nominated for Mank. And then I'm not as certain that Delroy Lindo will get nominated, but I have him on my list. And I'm also not as certain that Steven Yoon is going to get nominated for Minari because I have him on my list as well. I feel kind of dumb because I think Riz Ahmed is definitely going to get nominated. Like, I kind of look at my list right now and I'm like, well, why didn't I put him on there? But I just like this list more. Like, it's just, I don't know why. I just like this list a lot. If I could you, sub out Anthony you like, Hopkins. You like Hopkins for uh, Riz Ahmed? Is that's my cynicism <laughs> coming back in here. That's my Oscars are going to Oscar, you know? And and if if I had any shred of hope, as you do, that we could get something really interesting, we would sub out Hopkins and put in Riz Ahmed. And then that would be a hell of a list. Not that, like, Gary Oldman is, I mean, he just freaking won. 
So, like, it's not like he's some elder statesman, but I still love Gary Oldman. Sure. And Mank is getting going to get a, a boatload of nominations. So it fits. All right. You know? So, yeah, best actor, man. It's it's going to be interesting, but we have those locked in. So now we come to best director. And best director is one that, again, I'm not entirely sure of. It feels like we have a few locks here, but it also feels like, I might be a little off base. So, number one, I'm putting I'm I'm putting Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. I'm putting her in as a lock. Lock it in. I'm locking in Chloe Zhao. She's not moving right now for because Nomadland. Nomadland has gotten just a, a ton of rave reviews. It's coming in with most of the momentum. Um, I'm also putting in Regina King for One Night in Miami. I'm putting in Aaron Sorkin for Trial of the Chicago Seven. I'm putting in David Fincher for Mink. And I'm putting in this is this one feels like it's the longest of long shots, but I'm putting in Spike Lee for Defy Bloods. For whatever reason, and maybe it's because it came out in the summer, but Defy Bloods feels like it has lost most of its momentum. And I still think it's one of the best movies of the year. Sure. Um, but for some reason, like Delroy got snubbed by the Golden Globes, got, got snubbed by SAG. I mean, it got an ensemble. Like, that's good. Mm -hmm. That's 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 a positive. But how do you nominate that ensemble and not nominate Delroy? I don't know. Um, how, do you, how do the Golden Globes, an award show that does not matter, have Spike Lee's two children as the Golden Globe ambassadors and then just be like, no, zero nominations for Defy Bloods? Nuts, in my opinion. Tough look. Tough look. So, anyway, my director picks right now, subject to change, are Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, Regina King for One Night in Miami, Aaron Sorkin for Trial of the Chicago 7, David Fincher for Mank, and Spike Lee for The Five Bloods. Who do you got? I feel like this list might be the one we can differentiate from the most, but I could be I, wrong. Uh, I went a little bit different here. Okay. There's a surprise one in here, probably a foolish take. It makes for a good a podcast. Surprise one. So... I also have Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. I also have Aaron Sorkin, who I think is also a lock for Trial of Chicago 7. Okay, okay. I also... Actually, I don't have any... Oh, I also have Regina King for One Night in Miami. Okay. And then I have two different ones here. Okay. So I have the surprise of David Fincher not getting nominated for Mank. Disrespect. Not getting nominated. Not for getting me. nominated. Wow. I have replaced him with Lee Isaac Chang for Minari. I can honestly see him not getting in. And my surprise one is not Spike Lee. My surprise is that we're going to have the first ever time, I assume, this is a, a statement without any kind of fat checking, but knowing the Oscars, I feel like it's safe to say I'm going with Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Promising Woman, young woman. to make the majority of directors be women for yeah. the first time, I would assume ever, because it's the Oscars. and It would be. So we would have three of the five be women in this case. It would be awesome. Because that's an incredibly well-made movie. It is. So, uh, and, and I don't think people, I don't think with the people I listed, I don't think anybody would have any issues with them. Obviously, no. people like Fincher, people like Spike Lee, people like you know, some of the other ones that are up there. Right. But I do think uh, there's a potential that, especially in a weird year like this, where like, I don't think like the general public, because lots of people 
more people than ever before will have not seen the majority of nominees. Right. That there's not going to be like this public outcry one way or another. So that's a really interesting point. And that's something that I'm sure we can talk about later. But like the fact of the matter is, is not many people have seen any of the movies that we're talking about. And yeah. not people even not people don't even know where to access them. People don't even know that they're they're available to watch. Well, and, and we should say maybe they have, but yeah, we don't. Maybe. I mean, normally we can judge by how many people what the box office was and how many people went and saw it in the box office. But we right. have no real idea how many people streamed or bought these on VOD or things like that. Like all the measurements we have for streaming are deeply flawed because very someone could, you know, if you're on Netflix and you hover over a movie, sometimes it just starts without you even doing anything. And if you leave it going for two minutes, you probably get counted as a view of quote unquote a view. Exactly. We it's, it's really difficult to tell how many people actually saw these movies. So again, it just feels like when you go on to like, you know, Twitterverse or, you know, even as you talk with people that you know that like movies, like a lot of people, like we're a good, we're a good case study. We watch a lot of movies and there's a lot of movies more than any other year that it's February and we haven't watched a large majority of these. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. Um, that brings us to. Best picture. Uh, I think it's your turn. It is my turn. Okay. So I'm going to go Nomadland. Okay. Trial of Chicago 7. Okay. Minari. Okay. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm-hmm. One Night in Miami. Promising Young Woman. Mank. News of the World. The Five Bloods. And Sound of Metal. And Sound of Metal. Okay. So we got a couple of differences here, but still, for the most part... Pretty similar. And again, I, as always, fill out 10. I think you did this time, too. Yeah. Knowing full well, we most likely will not get 10. For, but we can we can dream. So you, you brought up a very interesting point, David, which is this is the last year of the dreaded slide rule for Best Picture. We won't get into it because I've gotten into it plenty of times before. But starting next year, we will be locked in at 10 nominees. And I'm very excited for that because this eight to nine to ten nominees bullshit that has been going on for like a decade, I cannot handle. And I cannot believe that there were not enough people who are OCD in the academy to say this. I mean, I guess ten years, you know, relatively speaking, is a fast change, I suppose. But I'm so glad that we're going to get locked into ten next year. But we're hope. This is where I let a little bit of my hope. Because I listed 10 as well. So here are my 10. I have Mank, which you can watch on Netflix right now. Trial of Chicago 7, which you can watch on Netflix right now. Uh, Nomadland, which I believe comes out the 19th of February. um, Whether it be in theaters, later VOD. Minari, which comes out this Friday uh, in theaters. And and I'm, I'm guessing also soon to be available on VOD. My Rainey's Black Bottom, putting Netflix. it in, Netflix. The Five Bloods, putting it in, Netflix, Netflix, right now. One Night in Miami, Amazon, right now. Promising Young Woman is out right now in theaters and VOD. News of the World, also out right now in theaters. I don't know if it's on VOD. I don't think it is. Um, I could be wrong. 
yeah, no, it's on VOD. And then my last one, available right now on Disney Plus, is Soul. That's my my all of the cynicism that I have displayed, all of the hope that mm-hmm. I have shoved down, I'm putting into manifesting Soul as a Best Picture nominee. Not only because it was my favorite movie of last year, but because it's genuinely one of the most creative motion pictures that has been made in a long time. And it should be celebrated as such. But that's my list. I, I, I didn't put in Sound of Metal. I didn't put in Judas and the Black Messiah, which I'm incredibly excited to see. Um, I know the father's been gaming, gaining steam, but I refuse to put it in. But that is one, two, three, four, five, six of my nominees you can watch right now on a streaming service. You know what's crazy is, I think even as recently as last year, but definitely at least two years ago, we talked about whether or not movies that went straight to Netflix or straight to Amazon would get their due at the Oscars and that there would be this resistance from the Academy to really allow those movies in. And we're going into a year where there's a great chance that the majority are from Netflix or Amazon. Absolutely. And credit where credit's due, Netflix has released a lot of these movies into theaters sure. to meet the eligibility requirements. Also, the Academy adjusted the eligibility requirements this year because of the pandemic. What's up, good you movie know, buddies? They made Before some adjustments continue, to, I to not only everyone that you can get free the, um, episodes of the popcorn diet the, the, what's required in terms of theater runs, or but also they bumped everything back, too. From. Normally, so your eligibility second, ends... Hit the button Give With us a rating, write us a review, and now they've bumped it all the way up into buddies out there. Mid to late February, we also want to I remind believe. you to check us out so on Patreon. There's been a lot of adjustments based off of the diet. pandemic, Consider, but you can't come on a patron of this little independent it's movie probably podcast filled with love. Not only is it going to help us speeding up the improve the podcast, keep the podcast you know, going, like, but it's also going to give there was no way you could deny only access Netflix to things like early episodes, like they're one of the most prominent more. So check that out by going to patreon.com. In, in well, and I think that's course, the interesting part about Netflix is for a long time, Netflix Facebook, was the place where you went and watched the things you've diet. already and seen. Last, right. certainly you know, you went and watched you reruns of The of Office or Friends or movies that you love. And now it's really shifting as all these different studios and companies start their own streaming services and pull their stuff off of there. Like Friends has been gone for a year now. Uh The Office just left, and those were two of the most streamed things on Netflix for years and years. Now it's turning into something where you go to Netflix for original content, not for reruns or movies that you used to love. Like They're still there, but like I don't find myself going on to Netflix to watch something that I've already seen. Other than, like, obviously, like, you know, you think about all the original things that have come out when you get TV shows like Ozarks and Money Heist and sure. things like that that were huge this summer sure. through the pandemic. Hell, even Jurassic Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, which is a universal property. Yeah. Like, that's on Netflix right now because whatever Universal is doing with Peacock, whatever. Sure. <laughs> but then you also get, you know, obviously all the movies that came out this year. Yes. You know, Trial of Chicago 7. Uh, Ma Rainey's The Five Bloods. Many of which they bought. Like, they bought yeah. Trial of the Chicago 7 from Paramount. Sure. Um, but some of them, they, like, The Five Bloods is a completely funded original production. Yep. Um, 
it's amazing how they really built their foundation on that existing content and and now they don't necessarily need it. I mean they still have it, but there is so much that they're able to acquire um from from all over. I think one of, you you mentioned money heist and not to get down the Netflix train to wrap this up here, but one of the things that I have found super interesting and in this is that Netflix is now acquiring and, and distributing more foreign content. Yeah. And that's BBC content. super cool. Not just yeah, not just BBC content, but Money Heist was Spanish, wasn't sure. it? Um, they're announced, they just announced a space movie that's Korean, which it's a little racist for them to say Korean sports movie, uh, space movie is just parasite in space. Cause I've seen that and I'm like, it's probably not that, but it's super interesting. And for all of the pontificating I do about streaming and the death of the, the theater experience or, or what have you, you can't help, but think that it's pretty awesome that now people are watching these things and they're they're not uh they're not limited you know i it's 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 really really great um that they have access to these things i i think it's incredible i think i i can't remember what he said specifically but he said uh during the uh during his his oscar speech about how once you get past that 1 inch barrier Right, then you have so much more access to everything because cinema, movies, storytelling is its own language. So it's exciting, man. It's exciting. I'm excited that I've seen most of them already. I've seen Mank. I've seen Trial of Chicago Seven. I've seen My Rainies. I've seen The Five Bloods. I've seen One Night in Miami. I've seen Promising Young Woman. I've seen Soul. It's a lot less work for me to do. <laughs> you got to see Sound of Metal, Judas and the Black Messiah, Promising Young Woman. I saw that one. I got to see News of the World. News of the World. I got to see Minari and Nomadland. Nomadland. Um, you still got more work than... Oh, there's work. Don't. I'm not to say that there's not work. There is more, work. There's more work than normally when you get to February. Yes. I think normally, we've done, by, normally by now, you've watched them all. We've done a pretty good job of paying attention to those a little bit more. And sure. What's funny is that usually they are that palate cleanser after just an endless summer of blockbusters and then like quasi blockbusters that come out in August and September that suck. And then normally we go, okay, finally we get to bring up the prestige a little bit. But I'm just excited to be talking about movies and Oscars again. So I think that's it. You got any last thoughts on Netflix, the Oscars? Bring it on. Bring Not the, yet. Bringing the title belt back. We got to talk about bringing the title belt back. It's true. Last year was a rough year, but I, I want to come back strong this year. So we'll figure it out. Um, but that is going to do it. Before we go, I want to remind everybody that you can get free episodes of the Popcorn Diet sent to you just by hitting subscribe or hitting that follow button. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating or write a review and share us with your other good movie buddies out there. Also, don't forget to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of the podcast. Not only is it going to help a an independent movie podcast during a time in which movies are are not the most popular thing in the world, but it'll also give you access to exclusively patron exclusive patron only episodes like franchise refills, like our Oscar primers. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the Popcorn Diet, and last. But certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But 
For the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time on the Popcorn Diet. Adios.